Hi everyone, this is Tom Miller, editor of SolarView Magazine from Baywa RE, and today I'm joined by Magnus Asbo. He's the director of product marketing at SolarEdge Technologies, and I'm actually on location at SolarEdge in Roseville, California, in their very nice sound studio. Thanks for joining me today, Magnus. It's a real pleasure to have you here with us. Yeah, this is great. Face-to-face, it's kind of new for me. We don't do many of these. So I've got a variety of topics that I want to cover today. Generally, the topics are going to be residential, commercial, um, got a global question, a little on customer service, and then, you know, what you see ahead uh, for the end of 2019 and moving into 2020. So let's start by talking about the residential side of the market. And I want to talk about a product that's uh, really interesting to me for a variety of reasons. As we all know, solar contractors have that list of of leads of homeowners who aren't quite ready to go solar. And you have, SolarEdge has a new consumption meter coming out that might help inform and continue that conversation with the homeowner. Can you tell us more about the product and and what it's going to do? Sure, I'd be happy to. We're talking about our cellular consumption meter, and just as you were saying, we have noted that there are a lot of cases where installers would like to install a meter uh, that's reporting and providing information before they actually have a chance to put in the the PV system. There are a couple of different reasons for that. One of those reasons would be that uh, you're finding that a a homeowner's uh, consumption pattern changes after they get PV. A lot of times people uh, have a certain consumption, understanding that they're paying the utility, and then once they've actually made the installation, they treat energy as a, an infinite resource and their consumption patterns change and then sometimes they're surprised when they uh, get their, their next bill. So it's actually very useful to set a baseline and work with the homeowner if they call back to say, hey, uh, uh, this is how your consumption patterns have changed over time. Uh, it's also very useful to maintain some level of engagement with the homeowner uh, while the uh, PV system uh, permitting process is going forward to make sure that they're remaining engaged and committed to, to the contract that, they, uh, that they're participating in in order to get the PV. So in many ways, it's a, a sales retention tool. Hmm. So what we've um, opted to do uh, is, is the following. We uh, are providing a, a meter, which can be installed onto the household using some clamp-on CTs or Rogowski coils. And that metering capability is then connected to our uh, cloud-based monitoring service over a cellular link. So essentially, uh, you can have a technician come by, install this, uh, this capability uh, right after you have engagement with the, uh, with the homeowner, and start collecting uh, continuous information. So it'll report continuously in uh, five, 15 minute intervals as soon as it's installed, and uh, you can see what's happening. The nice thing about this is that it's, uh, the feedback is very immediate. We're providing, uh, as I said, uh, information in our cloud within uh, within minutes, and the homeowner can see it through the same application that they'd be uh, using to monitor their their PV system. So they are they are now actually using the tools that you're going to be providing them over the long term, but initially to uh, to look at their consumption so they understand uh, what happens. And th- this is a great way of educating people about the impact of uh, of using air conditioners. You know, if they have a spa or a so- or something like that. that uh, you know where the energy is being consumed uh, for that, and they'll, they, they 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 suddenly have a much more tangible relationship to their consumption of energy. Right. So we'll uh, cool. we can provide this uh, uh, consumption meter, um, and uh, it has a built-in uh, cellular card with a uh, with a five-year program for it. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. And on the appliance side, I understand you also have, and this is for homeowners with PV installed. I was told you have a hot water heater with a smart meter. Is this correct? 
Yeah, that's absolutely right. We're in the process of uh, finishing our testing on this product. Essentially what we're doing is making it so that people who have an electric hot water heating system can take excess PV during the afternoon, for instance, and use it to preheat the water so that they're using uh, plentiful solar energy to heat the water that's going to be used in the evening. It turns out that hot water is a great place to store energy, and uh, this, uh, this really helps, especially in places like uh, California where you have time of use where energy is less expensive in the afternoon than it is in the evening, or Hawaii where you may have excess PV that you're not allowed to export to the grid, and you can take, simply take some of that excess energy uh, and put it into the hot water. So in many ways it acts as a, as a thermal battery. Mm -hmm. uh, this isn't uh, necessarily for everyone. You know, here in California we have a lot of natural gas heating, but with the, the new rules that are coming into Title 24 for, the new, for new home builds in particular, where there's going to be a great deal more electric hot water heating going in, uh, and we're preparing for that. Interesting. Uh, and we could circle back to some of the, the Title 24 stuff. Why, why that switch to electric hot water heaters? Well, on a global basis, uh, we see uh, electric hot water heating going in many, many places throughout the world. The reality, however, is that as we move into a less carbon-heavy future, we do expect to see more and more electric hot water heating going in. And having that hot electric hot water heating handled intelligently in combination with when there is excess uh, electric resources, when the sun is out, uh, only makes sense. Right. So uh, in the near term, you know, we, we're, we're well aware that there's plenty of natural gas uh, hot water heating. But, you know, I think that we would all agree that in the, in the long term, we'd like to move away from using uh, carbon-based resources to heat our water to using uh, renewable-based renewable -based resources to do that. And what we're finding is that a lot of our end customers, th those homeowners, uh, are very receptive to that idea. So they may, in fact, be willing to move to electric hot water heating for the simple idea that they would be able to do it off of a renewable resource rather than using a carbon-heavy one. Okay, great. Um, what about whole home backup? Yeah, absolutely. The backup solution that we've used up until now with our storage product has essentially been a, a, a single box solution, if you will. You bring a, a feed in from the AC panel to our storage inverter, which is also connected to uh, a battery, usually uh, the LG Resu 10H, and it then feeds a, a backup load center. So you would have a separate panel and you would simply bring your uh, the loads which you wish to back up to that separate load center. This is a nice topology in the cases where you want to just back up certain loads, you don't want to back up uh, the air conditioner, maybe you want to create certain rooms. But what we have found is that there are a lot of clients who would like to have the whole home backed up and they're willing to take on the responsibility of turning off those heavy loads, for instance. In order to do that, what we want to do is feed the energy to the uh, to the main panel from a uh, from an auto transfer switch. So this uh, is a transfer switch that detects that the grid is down and powers the whole house off of uh, the storage inverter rather than simply powering uh, a limited set of uh, um, uh, set of loads uh, from a backup load center. So conceptually, it's a simple change, but it does have some architectural uh, implication. One of which is that we used to have a, a separate auto transformer. We're now able to take that separate auto transformer and group it in with the transfer switch into a single box. Uh, since we're now feeding the whole house from this uh, this box, this backup interface box, we are able to put the, uh, uh, the import-export metering into that box. So from an architectural point of view, it simplifies things considerably because mm considerably because we can put uh, several devices into into one enclosure. Over the long term, uh, we will be able to add more inverters to that backup interface so that in the case that somebody wants to have more power to the whole home, those can be added to it. Very cool. 
So along the residential lines as well, Title 24, what, what can you tell us about what SolarEdge is planning to do and what uh, solar contractors should be prepared for? Sure. Here in California, um, the rules for building new homes is covered under Title 24. And the, the, uh, the good news is that the, those rules have been rewritten in such a way that essentially all new homes built beginning January of 2020 will require solar. So this is going to be a nice boost to, uh, to solar within, uh, within California that we're all very excited about. The uh, other side of it, it however, is that the uh, requirements for those uh, solar systems are somewhat smaller than, uh, than you would expect for, uh, for a retrofit. So you may have a nice uh, 2,400 square foot house, but the Title 24 requirement is that, uh, that you only put three kilowatts DC onto it, for instance. Whereas in uh, a more typical retrofit, we would go ahead and put you know, as much as, as 10 kilowatts of, of DC onto it. Our observation is that home builders likely will trend to uh, do installations that are closer to the minimum requirements. So they will have the ability to put solar onto these homes, but they may not flesh them out to the level that a homeowner would really want once they start seeing what their actual consumption is. Mm. In order to accommodate that, uh, that duality, that people will want to have a fully-fledged solar system, but it may not be built like that in the, in the beginning, we will offer a version of our uh, inverters that will be uh, uh, sized for a panel connection that is in line with what the house will actually con uh, consume. So for instance, uh, we'll uh, produce a 7.6 kilowatt inverter that you hook up to a 40 amp uh, uh, circuit breaker, but initially it will be sized so that it's gonna, it's gonna work best with uh, two and a half kilowatts. So we will simply do some cost sharing so that uh, initially we, uh, we give up some, uh, and then there will be a, the ability to upgrade that, uh, that inverter later in order to allow the homeowner to decide, yes, I do want to have more solar, and at a modest cost, they can reuse that same inverter that they had there uh, and upgrade it from a two and a half kilowatt inverter to a 7.6 kilowatt inverter. So this way, we're going to try to make things uh, more attractive in terms of cost balancing to allow those systems to go in smaller uh, and then easily convert to something larger. Right. That's really interesting. And so you can you can target the home builder segment, but then later the, the contractor, solar installer contractor segment as well. That's exactly right. And whoever installed that solar system in the first place for the home builder has uh, has an option then to go and, and readdress the, the issue with the with the homeowner. If the homeowner has decided that they want to have an EV, for instance, it may be that they that they are very much in need of a uh, of a PV upgrade, uh, and they're going to be very receptive to that message. And the uh, the original installer now uh, uh, has control of that uh, that inverter and the ability to upgrade it quite easily. Mm -hmm. Along the EV lines, um, is anything new coming in the next 12 to 18 months? Yeah, absolutely. During the uh, second half of this year, uh, several things will be happening. On our integrated EV product, uh, where we have a EV charger built into our PV inverter, we will be expanding the line to include uh, 5 kilowatt and 6 kilowatt inverters in addition to the 3.8 and the 7.6 that we do now. Uh, and we'll also add an 11.4 kilowatt inverter to that lineup. Beyond that, however, we will be uh, doing two additional things. 
The first of which is that we will provide a, uh, an extender capability so that any regular HD wave inverter that's installed on, um, on somebody's household can have a, uh, um, an EV charger connected <laughs> to it. This is actually very important for, uh, for homeowners because a lot of times you run out of breaker space in your main panel. You've, uh, so perhaps you've installed a, uh, a 40 amp circuit breaker for PV and you would like to do a, uh, um, an EV charger, but you don't have space in the main panel, you right. can now just connect it to, uh, to the inverter uh, and reuse the same 40 amp circuit breaker. And we can do that uh, very simply because the, uh, the, the uh, PV is a power source Right? We're mm -hmm. creating power. The EV is a power load. It's consuming power. Yeah. Uh, so if everything, the worst thing that would happen if both of them were ticking along at full speed is that there would be no energy flowing in and out. The PV would all be uh, going straight to the EV in the brightest parts of the day. So yeah. it works out very well. We will also, in addition to having the ability to add P, uh, EV to an existing PV inverter, we will be creating a standalone EV uh, charging station. Uh, okay. So uh, you may uh, end up in a situation as a PV installer where you're having a conversation about PV. The homeowner may not, uh, may not be ready to make the significant investment in that, but perhaps they are ready to participate with EV. Perhaps they have an EV and they've charging it off of a 120 volt uh, line and it's going very slowly and they're dissatisfied, you can now say, hey, I will go ahead and install EV on this household, uh, EV charging on this household. It'll show up in your SolarEdge application. If that's everything that you want, you're fine. So now the installer is a, uh, an EV installer. And then later, if they uh, want to readdress PV and uh, uh, be able to charge their car from the sun, then they can add uh, uh, PV to the system later on. Uh, cool. The nice thing is, is that uh, when they do that, the PV and the EV uh, communicate with each other. You can say things like, hey, in times when I have excess solar, this is a great time, let's say on a Saturday afternoon, I have excess PV, this is a great time to charge my car rather than exporting it to the grid, uh, rather than charging in the middle of the night. Right, or dumping it into a battery. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, Along the storage front, and I don't know what you can talk about here, but um, in 2018, SolarEdge acquired, acquired uh, CoCam, I believe that's how you say it. It's a South Korean company. That's correct. Uh, they're a provider of lithium-ion batteries and battery solutions. Is SolarEdge planning a new uh, storage solution? How will we see that acquisition represented in, in SolarEdge moving forward? The uh, acquisition of CoCam, you know, clearly we're, we're interested in going into stationary storage. Uh, CoCam right now is uh, primarily involved in large-scale storage solutions for, uh, for stationary storage. They also happen to do very, uh, very technical battery products like uh, batteries for, for submarines, the, uh, uh, the submarine that was used by uh, James Cameron, for instance, to go down and see the actual Titanic was powered by CoCam batteries. They, they have a great deal of expertise in very uh, harsh environments. Um, <laughs> We will use the, uh, the Kokum technology, and in a market where we've uh, had a lot of uh, problems with supply for battery, we, we will participate in that. So you should expect to see uh, some announcements from us with regard to batteries over, uh, over the, the coming quarters. But I, I, can, I can certainly tell you that uh, uh, we will be continuing to, uh, uh, to participate with other uh, battery players in this market because it's going to be growing phenomenally over the next couple of years. Great. So let's move on to commercial. Um, I was talking to Baywa's product man manager, Aaron Bingham, the other day. Um, shout out to Aaron for being so patient with all of my questions. Uh, and he introduced me to the idea or the concept of VPPs. You know, these are virtual power plants. And for those who don't know, they essentially aggregate power produced by homes and turn those into mini power plants. 
Um, and they can even take the place of, or at least mitigate, the need for coal fire or gas peaker plants. And I guess this technology sits between residential and commercial, and I know there are versions of this out there, but how is SolarEdge getting into this uh, now? Uh, and did I get the description right of the VPPs? Pretty close, and I uh -huh. think that, l let me expand on it a little bit more, because Please. honestly, uh, this to me is one of the most exciting things that, that's going on in the industry overall. Up until now, we've uh, had homeowners or businesses install solar on their roof and essentially compete against the utility for their own uh, utility bill money, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so this has not been great for the utilities. They've been ambivalent uh, in many cases. That you know, in ca you know, many cases they are required by their uh, public utility commission to uh, to support it in one way or another. Right. But it's problematic right. uh, to have uh, to have solar, especially since. You know, we're busily generating in the middle of the day when people are not at home, uh, and then when people suddenly come home, you have this increase in consumption just as the sun's going down. Right. So you have you have a uh, a problem. The, the utilities would like to, in you know, in their best frames of mind, they would like to decommission carbon-based generation plants. But it's difficult to do that knowing that you're going to actually need that in the evening time. Right. Okay. So the question comes up: How do you solve that? Uh, because it's a it's a key sticking point for uh, the consumption of renewables everywhere, and the uh, the answer is if we can provide a signal from the utility to all of these distributed resources, this network of uh, of energy resources that have batteries. So this is another reason to have batteries associated with solar, uh, where the utility can actually. In provide incentives to, to homeowners and to aggregators to generate energy when the utility really needs it, mm. uh, then, then everybody's going to come out ahead. The utility will provide incentives. It won't actually get in the way of, uh, of anything that the, the homeowner is trying to use the energy for. The, uh, the overall cost of energy, you're, you're basically offsetting peak power plant production right. rather than baseload. You now have a situation where uh, solar production uh, is working in harmony with the utility in order to solve uh, everyone's uh, energy problem and not just benefiting the, uh, you know, the, the one particular homeowner who happens to have PV on their house. Yeah. So from that point of view, it's an incredibly exciting thing. The, uh, the good news is that the, a lot of the work to set up how the, that communication network comes together has already been done. So the good news here in California is that it's going to be covered under Rule 21. Mm -hmm. um, phase three, there is, a, uh, there is the ability to do this. On a broader level, however, on a global level, there are many, many places that are trying to do this kind of uh, a virtual power plant using distributed resources in place now. Uh, we, for instance, are participating in the Netherlands in a large-scale uh, deployment where the, where the utility provides us a signal and we cause batteries to be discharged in order to meet their requirements. We are trying, uh, trialing this at several utilities here in the United States now, uh, and we expect this to be uh, deployed very broadly uh, within, the, uh, within the coming years. Mm -hmm. The good news from our point of view is that, with the exception of the battery, it doesn't really require any additional com equipment at the homeowner's uh, house. They can use our standard inverters, communications uh, can happen, the homeowner can opt in or opt out, right. uh, depending on uh, how good the uh, incentive is and what their willingness is. And uh, as I said, the exciting thing here is that we're now at a state where renewable energy is being used in harmony to, uh, uh, to support the grid, uh, rather than being, you know, uh, something that the utility have to work around. Mm -hmm. And once this technology is ready, uh, what's that? What's that piece of the conversation that the contractor would have with the homeowner? What would they want to tell them? 
So the uh, contractor is going to be obliged to learn about what programs are available for that particular utility uh, and spend some time explaining it to the homeowner. Once that's done, let's say a, a smaller installer can make an arrangement with an aggregator. So uh, an aggregating company will be able to collect together the, the connections to multiple, uh, multiple systems uh, and provide that as a, uh, as a complete service to the utility. So we're not really expecting, you know, a, a, let's say a small installer to have a continuing relationship with the utility on this, they can then hand that off to an aggregator. Right. Uh, our expectation is that there will be many aggregators in, in the world. Uh, we do intend to be one of them, uh, so we have the ability to provide that capability so that uh, in the case that there is a, uh, a need for a virtual power plant, we'll be able to provide those services. Great. Um, this might be getting in the in the weeds a little bit, but Aaron also told me about software feature that can help mitigate some of the effects of PID, uh, potential induced degradation. And again, you can clarify uh, if my understanding is incorrect, but it's basically that, that the frame or ancillary components of a solar panel will over time start to attract uh, electrons, and this can limit the module's potential production. Did I get that right? And, and maybe talk a little bit about SolarEdge's approach to tackling this issue. I'm sure you, you, you described the problem fairly well. The, mm -hmm. uh, the main point being that you get a charge built up on, uh, on the back sheet or the glass of the, uh, of the module, and it interferes with the ability of, of current to flow through the module being generated by solar. So essentially, as you start to have this potential buildup on the, uh, on the module, uh, it starts to produce less, it degrades. So, mm -hmm. uh, hence potential induced degradation. There are two uh, things that can be done. One of which is to is uh, at night when the system is not running, you can simply swap the polarity on the uh, on the module and discharge it. This oftentimes will will prevent the the module from uh, developing potential induced degradation, which is seen as a defect in the module. It'll prevent PID from developing in the first place. Uh, and then uh, during the day, you can occasionally just discharge the the module on an occasional basis. So you have kind of nighttime. PID uh, mitigation, and then you have an, a daytime PID mitigation. In order to do the daytime, since it's happening while the, uh, the system running and swapping the potential requires uh, some electrical changes, you actually have to be behind a, uh, a transformer in order to do that. But for the nighttime uh, case, you do not have to be behind a transformer. So we have two ways of ma managing PID, one at night, one during the day. We are building the ability to do this PID mitigation into our next generation of, uh, uh, of commercial inverters, uh, and those will be out uh, uh, sometime during the winter. Great. Let's um, start to wrap up here. This is a quick question on the global front. Can you talk a little bit about the impacts of the tariffs and if SolarEdge has any plans to build factories in the U.S. or elsewhere? Um, as we know, we've uh, had uh, the tariffs come into effect, uh, and I think that all of us within the industry are uh, are feeling it a bit. So we are working out how that impacts pricing in a, in a way that's uh, that's reasonable for everyone. In terms of our plans around uh, uh, building other locations, that's not really something that that I'm able to comment on at this mm -hmm. time, except to say that uh, uh, certainly we're going to be looking at uh, at how long the tariffs last uh, and whether that makes sense to do or not. Great. So I've got a few questions under the customer service category here. The first is, you know, how is SolarEdge approaching customer service at the owner level and at the installer level, the homeowner level, I should say? Sure. The uh, quick answer to that is uh, you and I are, are now sitting in, uh, in our customer uh, service center here. So right. uh, outside of our door, there's, you know, a couple of dozen folks who are uh, answering phone calls. The, uh, the great news for us has been that we've been increasing uh, our 
our size and our market share within the region, and we're, uh, we're keeping up with that to make sure that there's always somebody here who can answer questions. Mm -hmm. um, the majority of our qu of questions towards SolarEdge come from installers, and we're able to do that through a variety of ways. We certainly have a, uh, uh, the ability for you to just call us, and uh, the people here are uh, extremely good and very professional, so you'll, you'll be happy with the service when you, uh, when you speak with them. Chances are that the fastest way to get a response from folks is through our chat. And if you go onto our website, it'll show you how to hook up to, to our chat. And that way you'll be able to get uh, uh, questions answered uh, much more rapidly because the people here can, uh, can handle several, uh, several chats at the same time. So okay. if I was installing, I would do it that way. Mm -hmm. Homeowners do call us. Uh, here at this uh, at this center, and we do uh, answer homeowner questions. We uh, oftentimes will refer them back to the installer if there are issues with regard to uh, addressing the system. But we're happy to answer their questions. And uh, attention to uh, customer support is it goes all the way up to the top. So I receive emails from our uh, our VP of Sales. Literally, he gets questions from uh, from homeowners. Uh, he sends them to me, and and I'll respond to them too. So uh -huh. uh, in a way, we're all part of the customer service business. Great. And um, what's the best way for installers to give you feedback about products? You can certainly contact us through our uh, website. There's a, a place to click uh, to uh, provide feedback. If you would like to provide feedback to one of our uh, customer support folks here, they actually do collect information and, uh, and provide it back to me. And I work with our R&D team to work through issues. And those are probably the best way. Uh, an installer, if they have a, a salesperson either at, at, at Baywa or, or within the SolarEdge family, if they provide information to them, uh, we're very receptive. We, we, we love hearing about our products, uh, the good and, and sometimes the bad, uh, and, and we'll take the input in any way that we can. Great. So just a few more questions, and then we're wrapping up here. Looking back over your time at SolarEdge, you know, what are some of the big lessons learned? This industry goes up and down so much. You know, do you have any wisdom or, or feedback for us? Two things, one of which is the people that are in this industry are, are phenomenal. Uh, things go up, things go down. You know, we all call it the solar coaster. Uh, you know, right. sometimes things are harder than they are at other times, but everybody is very very committed to their craft and to the mission of, of providing a, a lower carbon world. So if you're in this business, and I've been in this business now since 2009, which is starting to sound like a long time, yeah. you know, the, the, people, uh, the, the people are phenomenal. Uh, just hang in there uh, as, as things go up and down, and, and it's worth it in the long run. Uh -huh. The other thing that I'm seeing, though, is solar is moving away from being, as I was alluding to, a product that's just for a business owner or a homeowner, uh, and it's really becoming more integrated into the overall uh, fabric of society, and that comes down to being able to do things like VPPs, as I said, but it also has to do with smart energy. How, does, how are EVs going to interact with solar? How, you know, how uh, is the way that we uh, use our energy going to change as we, uh, as we all have solar in our life and all have renewables in our life. And the real task for the industry is to make that as, um, as an enjoyable a process as we can for, for homeowners. So, you know, nobody wants to say, hey, I'm only going to turn on the lights or, or take a bath or have a hot shower or cook when the sun is out. But mm -hmm. we all need to understand that, uh, that what it means to be in solar is going to and expand into other things. It's, it's about becoming um, involved in the smart energy economy, if you will. Right. Um, that means more involvement with the utilities. That means uh, increasing the number of products that we uh, that we have in our toolkit in order to uh, to make solar really work uh, for a green planet. Yeah. 
So final question, looking ahead, uh, end of 2019, end of 2020, what's uh, most exciting for you? Oh, as we go to, through 2019 into 2020, I've got to say I'm really excited about the move to uh, to new homes. This uh, this uh -huh. big wave of uh, of PV buildup uh, is very exciting for us. It means that uh, um, we are going to be basically creating whole communities that are are solar and solar only, and uh, and, I, and I think that there's just a whole host of of possibilities there. And as I said, with regard to to virtual power plants and real integration of, of solar with uh, with smart energy is, is, is a tremendous opportunity for everyone. Yeah, it feels like we're setting the stage for something. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Cool. Well, thanks for taking the time today, Magnus. I really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure talking with you. Okay.